0: This is the Jason Kabnis Experience, hosted by Jason Kabnis. Join Jason as he talks to small business owners and startup founders and other interesting people as we gain great insights about business, people, leadership, HR, and how each guest strives to be great every day. You got to
1: Hello, and welcome to the Jason Cabinet Experience. I'm your host, Jason Kavnis. The Jason Cabinets Experience is brought to you by Cabinets HR. At Cabinets HR, we deliver HR to companies with 49 and fewer people. Our guest today is Michelle Chow. Michelle, you ready to be great today?
0: <laughs> I tried.
1: <laughs> Michelle is the founder of Amant Gardist, an ink commerce platform on a mission to democratize access to high-end unconventional uh, and underrepresented designers from different parts of the world promoting the importance of inclusivity, individual, individuality, and social responsibilities. Throughout her career in the past 22 years, Michelle has worked in startups and corporate companies in both leadership and senior level positions. Her expertise spans supply chain, supplier operations management, program management, commodity, str- commodity strategies, and contracts. Michelle, thanks for being here today. I really appreciate it.
0: Thank you for having me here today.
1: So Michelle, like most people, most entrepreneurs, you have a lot going on I'm going to do a deep dive of that later. But mm-hmm. first, I believe the tagline for your company, I saw it on your website, on LinkedIn somewhere. Mm-hmm. It says, uh, undiscovered fashion from around the world. Yeah. What, what's, what, what were you trying to do with that?
0: Well, I'm trying to democratize, you know, access to a lot of incredible designers from different parts of the world. Um, I find pieces from different parts of the world and find that a lot of people Find out it's pretty bomb that they couldn't find or know about them, you know, in the states. So, this is where I discover this problem
1: to solve. So, so Michelle, democratizing to access to fashion, right? I think it might mean a lot of different things to different people. What does it mean to you?
0: Um, you know, democratizing to, you know, make, you know, it's just really getting the awareness of you know, across their geographic area. So, you know, making access to not people who happen to travel to those countries and destination and find them, but also people who have never been to those countries and getting awareness and getting access to them no matter where they are.
1: So I could be wrong, but New York City is like consider the fashion capital of the world, right?
0: Uh well New York, you know, Paris. I mean there's Milan. A, yeah, Milan. I mean they have a fashion week like twice a year, so I'm also trying to break into the culture of following those two seasons, you know, throughout the year. And I really think fashion and creativity is should be something new, you know, throughout the year, you know, um, instead of going twice a year.
1: What are some cities out there like, or, or like, like fashion capital that are like, like less known than New York? Less known than New York. Less, less known than New York.
0: What countries? Yeah. Oh. Um, I honestly think that the Asian um, designers are underrepresented, um, to be honest. Uh, if you look at all those, you know, world famous brands, you don't find a lot of Asian brands that actually break through to that level. And this is where I wanted to focus in helping those designers to, you know, get out there and grow.
1: So how do you find your designers? Like, do they come to your website? Do you like recruit them? Like, what's the process for that?
0: Well, I every destination I travel to, I, I go shop around for different independent designers and I do collect their information that way and review and look at them and I also have word of mouth for people or designers to come on board on my platform who would, you know, also extend the network to other brands that, you know, fits, you know, my brand. Because they wanted to associate it with you know the brand they wanted to for their own brand so
1: so how do you what's the process for figuring out like this person can actually design or access talent
0: um how do i how do i access them yeah well i do um not just look at their design you know first it has to be unconventional something is against the mainstream not something you can find at department stores and um, or chain or anything like that. But, you know, I'm really targeting to designers that is not as known, um, but they're emerging, you know, have, you know, good creativity, but also the workmanship and quality of the fabric that they choose.
1: So I, I know a big thing with you is like the social responsibility or farmer responsibility. And I watched this TV show maybe a month ago And they're talking about how people don't realize like how much textile waste there is in the world right like it's like literally billions of pounds whatever yeah can you talk to me about the importance of you being a socially and environmentally responsible company and try to solve this challenge
0: yeah i tend to focus on designers who you know promote you know um sustainability and society with responsibility because you know we all own it and we all want to be with future for our future generations to come so you know designers some designers may have like in the minute ways you know by you know leveraging you know utilizing the the fabric instead of wasting them some are you know really up and coming is using clothes uh use clothes and create something new and one of a piece and some designers create one piece that can wear five different ways and some of them have different or special um process you know eliminate you know you know, harmful dyes, you know, that hurts our environment.
1: When someone designs clothes, is there a difference between designing like a silk shirt or cotton shirt or polyester shirt or is the process the same?
0: Uh, if They are different. I mean, every designer have their own, um, you know, process. Some, you know, have, you know, used the traditional way, but they use some other ways to, to um, you know, um, support sustainability in different way, but not all of those fabric is being processed the same way.
1: So when someone's designing like a, a clothesline whatever, do they have to buy the materials out of their own pocket or does like the company or someone else provide the materials for them?
0: Um, they outsource them um, and, you know, outsource the fabric and um, from different countries or um, some of them actually, you know, manage those whole process and do it by hand too. So there's some craftsmanship and, you know, their, you know, own dying special dying process.
1: So next, how do you become involved in the world of fashion? Cause I think most people in their kids. They grow up, you York kid like you want to be like a superhero or a fireman or something else, a singer, or, you know, a movie star. When, how do you come, come out to be like, I want to be in fashion.
0: That is something that I always wanted to do. Um, but I never, really think about what my passion was until pretty late in my career. Uh, it's just one of those experiences. I went on a Disney cruise with my daughter. I saw all those staff. smile is so genuine. They actually smile from the bottom of their heart. They're really in love with their job. And I start thinking like, oh my God, you know, wouldn't that be cool if I do what I love and love what I do every day and really enjoying doing it. So you know, I start going back to you know, what I want, always wanted to do, but I know I'm not a creative material, but I know I always wanted to be working in fashion. Um, So, you know, and just because of my travel experience and what I um, got compliment for, you know, when I come back from my trips, I thought there was a problem that I actually can solve. And further, as I do customer discovery, talking with designers, I realized that designers having their own challenges too because it's very difficult and expensive to get the names known out there if they're attending fashion shows or exhibit um it's cost them a lot of money and not even guarantee the you know rate of return of their investment so i thought you know this is where i can help out and being kind of their advocate you know to help them grow and you know increase awareness of their brand building engagement with audience and so really take them you know across the border you know wherever they are located
1: so michelle what's your like are you do you self-teach yourself all this fashion stuff do you have a degree in fashion like how do you get up to speed and learn the fast industry
0: well i'm very i'm very fortunate that i have a team of people who's working with me on this project um they're they're, they're they share um, the same vision I do. And they are very passionate about fashion. And I, I learned, you know, along the way. So I think, um, you know, I'm very fortunate having a great team in place, you know, knowing the industry and teaching me about different things about fashion. And I also have great relationship with designers I'm working with, we're just like partners. Um, Because it's a really a win win I'm here to help them. So we do collaborate ideas and working together on different things and um, we could do in marketing and social media and we collaborate with, you know, online virtual event that I do on a regular basis too, where I get designers in front of a camera live um, and interact with audience and showcasing their exclusive items that they design for avant-gardes or some someone not, but they are, you know, there are exclusive items that is, exclusively designed for us and you know those interaction it's all about you know storytelling right who who they are if if they're just selling through some you know random platform
1: or store
0: nobody's going to know who the designer is and they can't resonate you know and building that connection with the designers
1: so michelle like you know if you have a a startup or small business they tell you, you know like product market fit idea validation How does a designer, does a designer do the same thing? Like, do they they need to design what they think the company's going to, the customer's going to want to buy or they take like different samples out and like, hey, in product market fitness, so to speak?
0: Um, They don't. Um, And actually that I realize that designer are mostly still, you know, going through very traditional business way. And, you know, when it comes to creativity, they have their belief in their own you know, philosophy, how they wanted to design their things. Um, but they do aware of what's going on out there. Like during the pandemic, they would design something that's more comfortable and more comfy that you can wear at home or more, you know, um, uh, you know, ready to wear.
1: So can a designer be too creative? What I mean is like, they're, they're, of course they're creative, they have all the great ideas, but mm-hmm. can it be like, I want to say like out the wall and kind of wacky, like off the wall, right? But can it be like too off the wall and too outrageous and they need somebody to like come, hey, creative person, can you like tone it down a little bit? Is that a problem? Was that, or is it just like, you're creative, just go for it.
0: Yeah, I think, it, it, you know, if you're creative, go for it. I mean, when I select designer, I can kind of tell whether they're really extreme, you know, really out there or, you know they're unconventional in a way that you know it's more for every day where you know i can get a sense of that too but i i don't think that you know creativity has a limit you know if they if they created something is really out there you know and it has a statement there's always people out looking for something very different you know
1: so for your on, on your website how does someone what's the process of someone selling something on your e-commerce site
0: how do I suppress yeah
1: how do you how do you select someone to pick how do you pick someone to sell on your website is it a process to go through or a vetting process
0: I'm going with word of mouth to start with I also collect a list of designers from um, you know different sources you know whether by people or my personal um, um, you know um, awareness from travel or you know or you know, social media that I learned um, from, you know, Instagram or
1: So next, so h- how does one become a designer? Does someone just like wake up at 10 in the morning and say, I wanna make dresses and clothes and outfits? I mean, what's the process? Like, do they have to like like get a fashion degree? Is it like work experience? W- what's the process for that?
0: I, I haven't been to a designer myself, um, but everyone has their own story. I have designer who, um you know came from you know fashion schools and some you know was a dancer you know or you know related to art or some sort you know people just you know follow their passion and start creating something and building their own brand but you know um not everyone can become one unfortunately because it's just very hard industry to survive it's a very fast paced and um, very fast industry but I'm trying to change that. I mean, it's, you know, going from fast fashion has been very popular for some time. And I'm really thinking that, you know, this industry sh- is shifting to slow slow fashion, something more um, more delicate and more, you know, creative um, and unique rather than going with trend, which is not something that we, we follow because um, those designers' pieces are very... Um, unique and, and timeless. So you know, it's not like, you know, pulling out from your closet next year, it's going to be out of date, you know, it's always going to be fresh, because it's so unique, that you don't find it, you know, in the department store.
1: So what's it like, the, like, I'm sure it's not a normal career path, but what's like a quote unquote, normal career path for designer?
0: Normal, normally, they'll go through, you know, fashion school, and then they, you know, they do internship as well. And then you know whether th- during their their um, education or after they get some you know experience working with brands um, to get exposures and experience, and then they start you know making their own stuff and build a brand. It's very, I hear a lot you know going through this path.
1: So from your point of view so far, mm-hmm. what mixes do like the successful and the creative like in the better designers have versus the ones who don't succeed in the career path?
0: I would think that it's no different than a lot of the startup you know personally opinion is you know you have to plan your 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 runway you know you have to do um customer discovery really understand you know what you know whether what you created has a product market fit and going through that discovery process um and have a long enough runway because it's it's not like you build your brand and you can expect it becomes, you know, scalable. You know, within a short period of time, you have to think about how you're going to, you know, um, plan out your your runway accordingly and your cost and all that. And they usually, on um, one-man show, they do everything from sourcing to design to manufacturing, everything, selling, uh, and they don't have the resources to do it. This is where I think that, you know, avant-garde can help.
1: So if someone's a designer, do they like, do they say, I'm a designer, I'm, only, I'm only going to design shoes, I'm going to design women's clothes, only this? Or is it more like, I'm a designer and whatever someone pays me to do, that's what I'm going to do?
0: They usually um, have, you know, they, they still, some, most of them are still following, you know, the fashion week schedule. You know, um, I'm going to design, you know, some, you know, a new collection preparing for, you know, spring, summer, you know, next year. You know, this is what my schedule would look like. You know, I'm gonna have, you know, these pieces that I'm gonna, you know, put in production by such and such time so I can make it before the uh, fashion week. You know, that's really typical. Um, but where I'm going from is, you know, it shouldn't be twice a year. You know, it should be throughout the year. Creativity comes and goes, right? You know, you never know what, when those ideas comes. I, I personally don't, I'm not a designer, but you know, I, I know ideas, comes and goes and it could be happened anytime.
1: time. So I have to imagine talking about all the fashion weeks, so well, not all, but the limited number of fashion weeks. Mm-hmm. I can imagine how competitive it has to be to be a designer and, and be able to present a fashion week, right?
0: Well, they have to pay a lot of money.
1: Oh, because it's, it's pay to play okay?
0: Yeah, and they usually have to pay for, you know, a couple thousand dollars, you know, to go to these fashion weeks and then you have to rent, you know, your booth and you know, all the equipment or whatsoever, your travel, accommodation, everything um, in advance. I mean, you, you just don't know whether you're going to sell or not. Um, so that's where I feel bad, you know, for designers. If you wanted to get known and get noticed, you have to get on in one way. And there's a lot of designers that are out there that, you know, the runway can't accommodate for one, and two is resources constraint.
1: So, of course, I, I think, and I could be wrong, mm-hmm. correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think a lot of like high-end department stores have own designers. But if stores like, we us say like Kohl's, um, Costco, Ross, do they have designers too?
0: I don't think that they do. Okay. Um, they're actually bringing in brands, you know, that is known already. I mean, they do have the ability, you know, to negotiate super, super low, like wholesale price, and they can return stuff back to um the designers if that's not sold or you know they have very very harsh term for people who wants to sell through them and that those brands usually are already at scale you know already and known you know that you can have that level of resources to support
1: so is, is like any industry like the like like, they're like the top one percent of any industry like they're well-known Me as a on instagram it is not the same way. Like There's like top one percent who has a lot of followers, make a lot of money. Everyone else, are like I won't say struggle, but like you know, like not so so um, great in the career. It's the same process.
0: I'm not sure if I call
1: that. So like most most career paths, where you're like a software developer, or it mm-hmm. could be like one percent is making all the money, mm-hmm. have a lot of followers, like pretty well known, and the rest of them know, like not struggling, like they're just working nine to five. That you know, it's the same with designers. Like the top designers are well known. Everyone else is like pretty much like. Like working day to day,
0: I think a lot of it is you know it's about network and who you know and who you associate with. I mean, if you, you know, fresh grad came out of school, if you say that you you know in any career, if you say that you or you intern with you know, uh, Mackenzie or uh, or famous designers, you're gonna get you know noticed a lot quicker, you know, because you have a good looking portfolio, and that's I think it's a easier way to get on a fast, faster track. Um, but it's very tough to get on top of there. You know, it's all about who, you know, I think
1: pretty competitive
0: then. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very, very competitive, particularly on the fashion designer, uh, feel a lot of people are interested in it. Um, not a lot of people actually become one for those who actually become one. It's not a lot of them become successful
1: who determines what is quote unquote in fashion like who determines that is like some big fashion board somewhere that says this color is in this season or this is in this season or just is, is, is a market determine what's in fashion
0: well anything that you can name it fashion is the it's the type of fashion where you wanted to categorize what you are going for some designers are you know targeted to just design for you know how to couture some are avant-garde fashion i mean there's some, you know, very um, mass-produced, you know, there's, you know, Zara, you know, Forever 21. I mean, those, you know, very big fast fashion uh, companies. I mean, it depends on where they wanted to place their brand. You know, it's every every designer has a different inspiration.
1: So, Michelle, what's exciting to you about the fast industry right now?
0: Um, I think it's the creativity that I get to see and, You get to, um, see something. It's not in, it's not so ordinary, you know, like boring. Um, you want to celebrate, you know, something very different and creative. I I really like that, you know, freshness and, um, newness is something that surprises you and, um,
1: you don't expect to, to see so correct me if i'm wrong but i think most creatives they're great at creating stuff or, or artistic whatever but a lot of them probably aren't the best at doing the business side right how are you helping these people like you know do the business and the creative side
0: um you know we do collaborate with designers too and one way that i'm you know um planning to do is having designer to designer you know community too so where everybody shares you know their own ideas and you know, and actually can do collaboration between, you know, those brands, and, you know, helping each other, you know, learning from others. And, you know, a lot of times it's just, you know, one single idea can branch out to something else. You know, it's all about um, collaboration and create something, you know, A plus B, you know, and then, you know, create a C, (laughs)
1: So I can't think of the name of a show that comes on Bravo where like, they have like, this um, bunch of fashion designers and they get judged by like, famous designers. I can't think of the name of it, but is that is that is that a realistic uh, showing of designers what they go through?
0: Um, I personally didn't see that. Um, personally, do you see that a lot?
1: Yeah, my wife watches it a lot. I can't think of the name of it, it's like, oh man. It, I can't think of, any of it, but there's like, they show like the stress of like trying to get ready. The, the guy would say, you ever show in like 30 minutes so Have 30 minutes, like put some kind of design on stuff like right that." Mm-hmm. And the guy walks around, giving them suggestions. Sometimes they take the suggestions, sometimes they don't. You know, mm-hmm. it's like almost like a like you know, sort of the, the voice on TV, like the, mm-hmm. something like that, except for fashion designers.
0: Yeah, I think it doesn't matter whether you're a fashion designer or you're in other profession. You know, I think, you know, taking constructive feedback is always a way to make yourself better and seeing things that you don't see. It's all about creative, you know, it's not about like one mind, you know, it, 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 it involves with, you know, other new things that you don't see and created something that you haven't thought about. And I think taking critique and, and, and constructive feedback, it's helpful um, in any profession, no matter where you are.
1: Can you talk some more about the fast industry in, mm-hmm. in, Asia?
0: Um, in Asia? Yes. Um, their process is so different from the Western culture because there are designed to be more fitted. They have more, um, uh, it's more made to your body. And I would say more fitted than the Western culture and. There's a lot of, you know, asymmetrical, you know, type of design. Like the one I'm wearing today is from my Asian designers on my platform too. Um, it's called, Phenotype Setter. it's, you know, her, her design is phenomenal. Um, I like every pieces that she created. It's just because it's very, uh, asymmetr- uh asymmetrical, um, to me. And I think a lot of Asian designer use a lot of that, you know, into the details. And they're really into the details from something, you know, like a jacket, you know, even though it's a jacket, but you, you, you could see the uniqueness of the details that put into that. It's very incredible.
1: So, so Michelle next, how did COVID affect the fashion industry?
0: A lot. Um, I, I feel so bad for a lot of the designers close have to close the doors because of the COVID, um, I think this is a, a evolution of the industry too. I mean, it's just pushing people to go online and going online is very saturated right now. Um, I would say because people um, who can't survive retail stores, they have to go online and, you know, it's not the same as you were doing retail. And this is why I think having a avant which is something I started, you know, before the pandemic occurred. And that is the trend where the industry is going. You know, you see all these AI, you know, AR, you know, technology is going to, you know, continue to develop, you know, to assist with these, you know, to democratize, you know, things not only in fashion, things from different parts of the world, um, much greater than, ever
1: so you Michelle you started your company like right before the COVID hit and the pandemic hit yeah can you talk about somehow like your stone business but other people aren't like what made you different what made you like you know like take advantage of the situation so to speak that's probably worded badly but why are you still in business and other people came even before you did are no longer business
0: <laughs> partly because I hold my full-time job so I <laughs> I'm working Two jobs and sleeping like four hours. Yeah, we're a day.
1: deep that in that a little bit too. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so I do. I don't sleep a whole lot because uh, I have two jobs now. You know, that's how the way how I survive. Um, I I think I learn uh, my business a lot greater in depth as I go from day one. I think I know a lot more in fashion than what I didn't know about, and you have to adopt you know, the way of doing business is also different in the creative world versus in, you know, a corporate world. So, you know, every day is, it's a learning journey. It's exciting.
1: So why do you decide to do this company? You know, why do you, why become an entrepreneur?
0: Um, I always wanted to, to start my own business. Um, I, I'm very passionate in fashion, but, Business is something that I always know that is part of my strength and I love business. I be, I mean, I, I'm not a, a big fan of reader, but I buy a lot of business books just because I'm interested in business. So I always know that I wanted to to um, become, you know, uh, my own boss at some point.
1: So you to have your full time job, job and you work on the bigger corporation in Seattle. Talk about process like, you know, you work for this big corporation and talk about, was well, the process like, you know, do I quit the corporation, and go full-time to start up? Do I keep the corporation job and like work two full-time jobs? Like, that had to be like a mess, like you're going through, like, how do you decide, how do you decide all that? And like, how do you decide like, all right, I can survive a four hours sleep a day?
0: <laughs> I actually been raised that way, you know, when I was younger. Um, I used to uh, work full-time when I was going through my college all those years. Um, so I'm pretty used to, you know, getting a lot on my shoulder at any given time i just can't you know stand this routine you know you know eight to five kind of thing i need to continue to be challenged and i need to be you know um stay very busy you <laughs> know uh, yeah i'm like, like you that. like i don't see yeah.
1: people like working nine to five and just go home and do nothing right I, like yeah. how can yeah. you do that i just I, I don't i mean i'm not we're not built that way but
0: exactly i
1: mean there's some people are like this, so i don't know
0: yeah and my energy never drained for whatever reason. And people are like, how do you stay awake You know, when you only slept two hours last night <laughs> or not even sleeping at all? I just don't know, I just keep going. I think that's where my passion uh, is because I, I love what I do, so I don't feel tired. I'm always energetic. I don't shut down unless I shut down my computer Sometimes my mind's still going. I, I couldn't sleep just because I'm still thinking about work.
1: Yeah, I'm jealous uh. of you. Like, I, I need like six, seven hours a day. I, I, if I do like four or five, I shut down like for four days.
0: Uh, <laughs> six hours is a is a luxury for me. You know, I don't get six hours of sleep a lot.
1: <laughs> you know, a lot of, you get a lot done though. I'm guessing.
0: Yeah, yeah, and um, I love it. You know, I I love to keep myself busy. Um, I I love seeing you know what is being done. You know, after all this hard work. Um,
1: I enjoy it. So, what would have to happen to your startup for you to quit your corporate job? Are you are you gonna are you saying yourself, if I get the X amount of revenue per year, or is there any like any anything out there where you say, okay, I can do this all the time, I can quit my corporate job?
0: I think um, you know at the point when I can afford to pay um, my team uh, fairly and also pay myself a salary mm-hmm. to make a living, then you know, that's the point when I wanted to quit my full time job.
1: Okay. And is there any overlap between your startup and your, your full time job? Like the same skills and anything like that?
0: I think a lot of it is business acumen skills, mm-hmm. you know, really assessing your risk. You know, it's a lot, you know, not not direct role, but, you know, it's those business sense and acumen that i learned over the years um, in business, whether in the startup business i worked for before or in the corporate world you just grow i mean if i start this business when i first came out of
1: college
0: i might not you know be survived right now you know you don't know yeah
1: that's <laughs> definitely a stereotype that i believe is not true like everyone says mm-hmm. oh the startup people from stanford you know 21 years old you know that's i find that so untrue it's more like people like our age you know like yeah. been around the block so to speak you know yeah and i thing about too like like i try to tell people like I have like crazy focus now, crazy energy, right? Like when I, like, when I was in my twenties, like man, I get get up on my age, I'll be like older decrepit, crap on a rocket chair. But like now, <laughs> I have so much focus and energy, right? I'm not, I'm always going, going, going. I'm doing this, I'm doing that. I'm sure yeah. you're the same way, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's how I am, and I I'm used to. I think if one, even if when I'm going on vacation. My family loves rela- relax vacation, but I just can't. I have to, you know, get up early in the morning and go, 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 go. like
1: <laughs> so you have the whole day planned out.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that, it can be very exhausting if, you know, my spouse cannot, you know, take that because, you know, I'm just very exhausting to be around.
1: <laughs> so I, I know uh, you do a lot of traveling, both for fun and for your job. Yeah. Can you talk about some of the favorite places you've been to?
0: Japan, Japan is my favorite so far out of all the places i visited. Well, besides Hong Kong, where I was born and raised, um, Japan has a very, very nice culture, people. Um, you'll enjoy even walking down the street. You know, you see everything is being packaged really nicely um, and good quality and very creative. Um, I, I loved Japan most in everything. If I. Have to pick one place that I want to live. I think Japan would be my top.
1: So totally random Japan story. So I was in the army and we were and I stayed, we stayed my family in Sokur. my family like, three years. Right, mm-hmm. once a year we go back to stay to visit family. Right, mm-hmm. so every year my only experience with Japan is this: is the McDonald's the airport. Right, uh, and like every time we go to McDonald's, it matters two in the afternoon two in the morning, there mm-hmm. would be at least 200 people in line at McDonald's.
0: And KFC too. Yeah. it's incredible.
1: It's like <laughs> everyone says the best McDonald's in the world. Like it's just insane how the line was.
0: Yes, yes, it is. Um, but I actually stay away from those places when I go visit. Yeah. I, I, I like to go to very very Japanese style restaurant. I try different type of cuisine. You know, um, there you know, there's different type of food in Japan, and I have very exhausted list of favorite things in Japan I wanted to eat.
1: <laughs> so is there a place you travel to where you actually had a lot of fun and it was a good time? But most people are like, you had fun there? Like, how, how is that possible? Like, like, I would never go there if you actually had a good time there.
0: Hmm, that's a great question. No, I think, you know, all those places, I think people in general, people around me, you know, love traveling too. So, um, I think no i haven't traveled to any destination that is kind of you know
1: off the wall So yeah
0: we, yeah i haven't yet <laughs> but you know yeah, i want
1: what, what do you want to go travel to next that you haven't been to
0: um south africa okay. is one um south africa you know, living in a safari is another experience. It's very exciting.
1: Do you have to know Nick Hughes from Founders Live?
0: <gasps> yes.
1: So he's on a podcast. He told me South Africa was the place, Johannesburg was the favorite place he's traveled to.
0: Oh, is that right? He said that
1: was like his favorite place ever.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I've seen pictures and, you know, I you know asked my husband to look into it at some point, but maybe at some point, it's, it's not cheap. You know, if we wanted to go on a nice trip to yeah. South Africa, safely it's not cheap
1: <laughs> I can imagine and so you you came to the United States from Hong Kong at age 14
0: yeah yeah can
1: you talk about how the Im- so-called immigrant experience has helped you be a better entrepreneur can you uh, hear, hear the mm-hmm. time like in Silicon Valley that a mm-hmm. lot of investors mm-hmm. prefer to invest in immigrants because they have the drive and you mm-hmm. know they're, they're not spoiled and mm-hmm. they don't take stuff for granted
0: yeah yeah it was a very tough um, experience for me because when I moved here my parents still in Hong Kong um, my dad used to have a business in China, and you know they still have a lot of things to you know um, to settle before they moved. So it was me, my sister, and my cousin who got here first. And you know not having your family, and then you know we stayed with our aunt before, which we didn't have you know very good experience because of my um, my uncle. So we moved out of there and being in Seattle, um, living with a guardian, because we weren't old enough to get our own place. And we have a rough experience too, living with them. So, um, you know, I had to walk out and get my own groceries. Um,
1: and how are you on a 14 when this going on? Yeah,
0: yeah. I had a very tough start.
1: And so, so y'all came to Seattle, because you have family here, the guardians, or is this a random city y'all picked?
0: It was uh, I had a family in Texas, and that's why I started, you know, but after two months, I moved to Seattle same with my dad's friends, you know, friend, you know, in Seattle, so they can be our guardian while we were in school. And, and your parents
1: are still back in Hong Kong. Yeah,
0: they were still back in Hong Man, Kong.
1: That's a big move right there.
0: Yeah, that was, it, you know, moving from one place to another part of the world is tough itself. I still remember. I couldn't even. I went to restaurants and look at the menu. I didn't even understand the menu.
1: Yeah, I'm kidding. With the thought process of your parents, like, hey, I'm gonna send my kids all across the world. Like that had been like an agonizing decision.
0: Yeah, that that was something that they planned for years. Um, they applied for you know the visa for eleven. 11- years before it actually, you know, come to our turn, um, because we're going from, you know, relate, uh, relatives, you know, sponsorship to come here. So they always knew, you know, partly because of 97, they're scared of, you know,
1: um,
0: the, the communists taking over Hong Kong. So that's something that they planned when I was a kid.
1: So I'm, I'm somewhat ignorant on on some things. So Hong Kong is a extra part of china correct yeah and so i'm presuming the language of hong kong and china is the same
0: no it's no. not okay uh, hong kong speaks cantonese okay. and china for the most part except for maybe Kwangtong um preference mm-hmm. is speaking cantonese other other than that it's all mandarin so it's okay. different and written wise they're they they're they're in simplified Chinese versus Hong Kong is traditional Chinese.
1: And Hong Kong used to be under British rule for the longest time. Yeah. Then they're independent. Yeah. Or they gave it, I always to gave it away, but then they like transferred China rule or something like that. So much of politics and yeah, all that kind of stuff's involved with it.
0: Yeah, yeah. It it took they took over in '97. There wasn't a lot of changes until the recent years. Mm. You've probably seen on the news, yeah. but trying um, to make
1: it more communist, so to speak, I guess.
0: Yeah, and we knew that it was coming. It's just a matter of time and. So you know, to to you know get moved to US is something that we were prepared for. Um, I was actually excited uh, until I got here and been through those tough times. And now thinking back, it actually made me the it made who a stronger I am person, am stronger person. And you know, I work when I was sixteen years old, um, and then you know I've start working full time. Later on, you know, throughout my school years, and you know, really getting real-world professional experience make me, you know, more mature than you know people in my same age group.
1: And you, I think you say you have kids, right?
0: I do. I have two kids.
1: Have you or have you by yourself, or have you taken your kids to Hong Kong?
0: Oh yeah, many times. Okay. Yeah, they they love it. They love traveling too.
1: Oh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we're from believing people need to start traveling more, especially take their kids traveling more, you know? Yeah. Get a different mindset.
0: Exactly, I, I want my to raise my kids to be very tough and very adaptive. So, I mean, if my husband were to be more flexible, I wouldn't mind living in different places, mm-hmm. you know, every two years. Like or air, so. Like
1: Airbnb different places. Yeah. Being.
0: yeah. Yeah. I'm more adventurous and he's the other extreme. So, yeah, see,
1: I <laughs> see. I'm, uh, my, I'm the adventurous one. My wife like has to have like a, like a list 20 miles long, 20 pages long. You know, uh-huh. what is this? What does this happen? What does this happen? You know, I'm mm-hmm. more like, let's go do this. Yeah, you know? exactly. Have you checked the weather? Have you done this? Have you checked this? No, <laughs>
0: we'll figure it out. Don't worry. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. So is there any meaning besides the name of your company? Is it like have deep meaning to you, or anything like that, or is this just a name?
0: Uh, it's it. My thought process is I wanted to come up with a name that tells the world that you know, hey, we represent something unconventional, something very unique. And avant garde is a you know is a really uh, common used term, but I don't I don't think you can you know trademark something like you know avant garde, but you know I. I made the name avant-gardist, you know, it's meaning that people who actually, you know, it, you know, love our fashion are avant gardes They are people who love avant-garde.
1: So, I'm presuming that your husband and your kids support what you do and all that kind of stuff. Yes. Can you talk about the points of, like, your close friend, spouse, close family supporting you? Because a lot of people are like, I support you, but they don't really support you, right? Can yeah. you talk about the points of that?
0: Yeah, I can tell you that um, besides my husband, um, I don't think anybody really support me in my family. Unfortunately, they they feel like that. Well, you know, like the they,
1: don't, tip, they don't get it right.
0: No, they don't. And they um, they want they wanted me to stick with my corporate job. You know, you 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 know you you're making comfortable you know life. And why are you working yourself like this? You know, for something that's not realistic. Um, and they don't get it. And my husband is very supportive of what I'm doing. And he would encourage me sometimes that, you know, um, if they can see what your vision is, they would have done it themselves or, you know, or they're they're entrepreneurs. So there's got to be something that you see, nobody sees. And you, you know, you believe in it and just try it, you know, so you don't leave any regrets.
1: So, are you bootstrapping this? Uh, I am. Are, are, you, are you planning a fundraising event? So you're going to try to bootstrap the whole thing? What's your plan with that?
0: Uh, I'm, I'm planning to take the business to a point where I'm scalable and start raising funding. So I'm trying to bootstrap as long as I possibly can.
1: So how how you deal with this? Right. I think a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with this. Right. So they start fundraising or, or whatever and they and they pitch or whatever. And they have a business with a company, but they have a, they have a challenge. Tell the vision to the investor, right? Mm-hmm. How are you gonna make sure you tell your vision to the investor, so to speak, that they get it?
0: How do I tell them about my business? Yeah, how you
1: make sure they get the vision for your company?
0: Well, you have to show them, you know, this is, you know, what the customer is saying, this is what, you know, the demand and c- customer pain point is. You show them, um, you can prove them that there is, people are interested and they're buying, you know, there is a product market fit. Here's the growth. Um, this is why I wanted to take the business to a point where it's scalable before I raise funding. So I'm not, you know, spending time pitching, you know, 200 companies and getting $20,000 in funding. You know what
1: I mean? Exactly. So um, there's a show that comes on TV called, um, there's a singer named T-Pain, he has a show on TV called uh, T-Pain School of Business. Mm-hmm. I watch it on a regular really basis. So one like we can spotlight this lady out of Brooklyn. Her show and her her company is basically, you know, all the, all the thrift stores, or secondhand good stores. Mm-hmm. They put all those clothes on an app, and people like go on the app and like let Max like, say whatever, and they say okay, what you want isn't like you know Denver, Colorado, or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And she said she spent like a month in Silicon Valley trying to pitch it and got nothing, right? But then you know start having revenue and stuff, and people start calling back. Oh, we get it now. We want to invest now, right?
0: Exactly, and. You know, looking at Elon Musk, when he started, you know, his, you know, empire, nobody actually agree with what he was doing and he get a lot of criticism um, for what he was doing, but he keep on going down what he believe in. He's actually, you know, became very successful, but, you know, imagine if he took the advice from people, oh, don't do that, you know, or, you know, this is gonna fail. There won't be, you know, Elon Musk.
1: Yeah, yeah I remember. I could be making this up, but I remember saying where, like, um, Harold Schultz. He was saying, like, you know, the first thousand people who talked about investing in Starbucks making big loss all said no. It was a thousand and one. One person said yes.
0: Yes. Mm. Hmm. And those are, you know, how we. The. That's why they become a unicorn.
1: <laughs> yes. Um. think about some lessons you learned so far in entrepreneur journey.
0: Um, I learn a lot I think um, I have to learn to be very patient and you know your emotional with re- resilience too you know in many different ways and working you you can't be um, so you know strict on okay you know if you if you wanted to go do this. And there's many different ways to get to where you want it to be. You just have to receptive of, you know, different, different environment, different industry to, you know, adopt yourself into it. And I do a lot of self meditation and keep telling myself, you know, hey, you know, look at this from a positive perspective, you know, why not giving it a try, you know, and see what happens instead of what you think it's the right thing to do.
1: So how do you dealt with this? I think most entrepreneurs are like, okay, I want to be here in six months, here by year. But oftentimes, that like year <laughs> comes two years or three. How do you deal with the frustration and how do you make sure you're patient? If, like, you know, like, I'm, I'm doing the right thing, I'm in the process. and also fall across, like, I think a lot of entrepreneurs, like, we're in the weeds, we're in the trees, you know, and we, and, and we fail to look back on the last year. Okay, I'm actually doing something good. I'm actually making progress. How do you deal with those things?
0: You have to, you have to, appreciate the things that happen, you know, in a positive perspective, I think surrounded with people in positive energy and mind is very important too. Cause startup is a very lonely journey, especially I'm a sole, um, entrepreneur. I mean, I'm sole founding, um, this company and I have no co-founder I can bounce things against. And I'm very fortunate having a good team of people with positive mind, um, in around know, me and then we celebrate every little things. You know, you don't just talk about, oh, how much sales we made. How about, you know, followers? Or how about our Facebook group? You know, is growing and, you know, and you have to recognize all little things that you should celebrate and give credit to your team and yourself for as, you know, a stepping stone. So, um, you know, of course, my expectation going into this business was different than you know what it is today i think it's very true to a lot of the startup business too
1: i know like a, a lot of investors say you know you have to have co-founders but my thing like you know if, if you're the ceo mm-hmm. w- what are you actually tell your co-founder right are you are you going to tell them all the bad things all the time because then they might get down on you right it's it's like mm-hmm. can you really tell everyone that's going on with you if you're the ceo right
0: um i i don't have a co-founder and you know i always wanted one but it has to be the right one Just like getting married, right? Yeah, exactly. I, I've joined network where you find uh, co-founder who can do this with you. I found that, you know, I almost got one before and, but he's not really into fashion. I could feel like that, you know, he was really just into making money. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's a, that's a wet flat right there because you're going to run through a lot of hoops and you know, ups and downs, and you don't want people who see, oh, okay, it's not gonna work, so I'm just gonna leave. You have to be very passionate to find a way to get there, you know, and you have to pivot, you know, you know if you believe in it, really believe in it and passionate, you'll find a way like I do, you know, I just keep pivoting or, you know, I keep an open mind, you know, to adopt things, and trying different things instead of call it a fail. I'm pretty, I'm pretty um, stubborn in something I really believe in. I'll, I'll, I'll do whatever it takes to make it successful.
1: So for the people your team, h- how do you bring them on? Like, what kind of characteristics do you look for? Like, suppose watch, someone's watching this, like, man, I want to, I want to work for Michelle. Yeah. Like, w- what kind of characteristics, what do you want, what kind of background you want, all that kind of stuff?
0: I think attitude is way more important than aptitude a lot of times you know having the right people meaning you know to me is you know do they are they passionate with the idea do they do they do they believe in what i'm believing in um do they go above and beyond are they you know so you know some people would be just you know do what you're told to do right you know if it's not something else nothing
1: more no initiative
0: exactly no
1: problem solving skills
0: exactly if you I, I'd rather hire someone who's green, you know, who actually would study and go research and go, uh, you know, do something to to educate themselves rather than people, oh, I know how to do it, I just do it, you know. It, I, I'd rather hire someone who's less experienced but with a great attitude, open mind, positive energy, because um, you really need that for startup.
1: And I'm I'm guessing you have a, is a fully remote company that you have.
0: Yeah, fully remote.
1: So how do you when you hire someone, bring them on? How do you make sure they can do remote work? Because I'm a firm believer everyone can handle remote work. What's your process to make sure they can actually do remote work?
0: Well, we have um, weekly um, team meeting and kind of going around and statusing. You know what what's your key priorities on a weekly basis and you know um, things that they need to do, action items, and you know. And I also very, um, good at, you know, tagging up with people like calls every week, um, how are you doing, not just about the work itself, but also talking with that person and really care about, you know, what they're going through. They may be going through some personal issue. Uh, we have a trust of relationship, you know, and share everything with each other and really open.
1: And all your people, all the states are all over the world.
0: I do have some people in the states. I do have people in Hong Kong. I have someone in Croatia.
1: Croatia, okay. Yeah,
0: and you know, and also another um, company I'm working with is in Berlin too. So it's pretty, you know, around the world.
1: How do you work through the challenges like the, all the different um, what's it called? I like got brand, like the uh, different hours, the time zones. Um, How do you work through the time zone challenge? That's
0: why I don't sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I I do I like last night I, I had a call with um, in potential designer. Um, I was on the phone with her until, um, almost three a.m. in the morning. I started at one, so that happens to me all the time.
1: Whew. So. Who is your customer?
0: My customers are people I'm, I'm not demographically targeted. I, I don't think I really encourage people to dress for, um, themselves. And, you know, individualistic is very important. So I'm not targeting to people like in certain age, I really think, you know, people can be, you know, 60 year old and, you know, wanting to dress, you know, for who they are, you know, and become very fashionable and. Um so the people i am targeted are, are fearless to, you know, try different things, appreciate the um creativity and you know, someone loves to travel and appreciate different culture. Um yeah.
1: So you know how you, you have like like red carpet events in Hollywood and be like some famous, famous movie star and they'll say, mm-hmm. you know, so so who you're wearing and they say the person's name. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing that's a big deal, right? I'm guessing the person gets the actress or movie star gets paid to wear the outfit mm-hmm. to get, They get all the game paid, like say the person's name.
0: Yeah. Yeah. A lot of that's why the mostly other big brands are getting noticed because they, they do wear, you know, expensive brands or, you know, well-known brands who can afford to pay these celebrity. Or, you know advertising
1: free advertising yeah so what what do you see like what, what's a from your point of view, what's, what's been some pros and cons of an entrepreneur that you didn't expect
0: yeah i i don't think that becoming a entrepreneur is not like you become the boss and then you know <laughs> people have to um listen to what you say that you have to do um which is I think it's more healthy, you know, before going into it, you know, you would think, you know, become your own boss. You can, you can do whatever you want and, and however you want to do it. But I learned that it's actually better off if you create a culture that's open and collaborative and listen to people's ideas and thoughts, you know, can create something different and something you haven't thought about. It's not like the CEO is always right. Um, you're not the smarter person in the company.
1: Hopefully, s- hopefully you're not the smartest person no, in the company. No,
0: exactly. Exactly. You just need to know how to get the smartest people on your team, not you becoming the smartest person.
1: And I'm, I'm sure you had the same thing. Like, I know so many people start a company because, well, I don't want to work for a boss anymore. I'm going to boss. Mm-hmm. Well, you will find one boss that like, corporation have, like, you know, 10 employees being your boss, your customer being your boss, vendors being your boss. I think a lot of people miss that part.
0: Yeah. And and I don't think that it's healthy, you know, no matter where you work, to be honest. Um, but of course, you have to answer to, you know, your boss, you know, in a corporate world where you don't have to answer to anybody, you know, as an entrepreneur, you know, you don't. Ultimately, you still make the decision for your business. It's not, you know, something that your team can, can make a decision for you but you know it taught me to start listening more about what people are doing and what people are thinking and taking different perspective with an open mind um that is a a, a learning process for me and it's eye-opening i i i learned something new that i didn't know about
1: so so myself how do you do this like you know let's suppose you have 100 things to do tomorrow how do you make sure you focus on things one, two, and three versus going to number 87?
0: Well, I have to. Um, I, I bought this like uh, performance um, uh, planner, you know, off of Amazon and, you know, keep my key focus on the top. You know, there's everything is hot, everything is important, right? You just have to pick your priorities. You know, what's the most important thing for me today? And if I. Commit myself to do it. You know, today, I'll stay up and get it done. I mean, same thing I do for my job too. You know, when I have things to do, I'll do whatever it takes to work on weekend or night. You know, to get it done.
1: So make sure you know you're, you're a wife, a mom, entrepreneur, corporate job. Yeah. I'm sure you're doing other things that we haven't talked about. How do you make sure you actually take care of yourself? I actually don't. <laughs> That's, my same, that's the same same answer too when I get the question I, I, I suck at this
0: yeah I really suck at this because I always tend to satisfy other people first before myself because I know that you know i I'll, I'll I'll be okay I just do self-meditating and you know I'll I'll be fine I but I have to be the best of who I am to other people that's kind of my problem I don't know if you believe in psychic but every time when I go they, the number one thing they always tell me is it's okay to take time for yourself <laughs> I was, wow did you know <laughs> I do feel guilty when I the moment like the holiday I I, I spend a lot of time with my family and like I didn't spend much time you know working on my own projects and I feel really guilty I mean that guilt gets to you when whenever I'm not working I feel guilty you know if I go out a walk, oh, I could have spent that time yeah. working, you know. Or oh, you
1: watch a TV show and, oh, man, why did yeah. I watch a TV show for
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: So um, and this might be different for you since you have a corporate job. Like, you know, like, most people like if like I'm about Elon Musk. You know, he works 100 hours a week. Some people only work nine to five and they're an entrepreneur. You know, I have a friend who works 21 days, take three days off. How do you do your schedule?
0: I don't have a schedule. I do whatever needs to be done, okay. whether it's weekend or night. Um, I don't really have a schedule and I think that's something I, I totally prepare and expect it to do when I go in with this business.
1: So I believe, uh, the subject a little bit. I think I good the dates from, I think November 11th and December Yeah, like a live virtual fashion events.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. So Talk
1: about those. And that's something you do every month or this is a one-time thing.
0: This is something that I plan on doing, um, every month or every other month. Um, but I wanted to take a, uh, a pause and see if I allow more time in preparation would turns mm-hmm. out a, a, a better outcome mm-hmm. um, because I do have a lot of interest and signed ups, but you know. And who sign up for these see.
1: things? Like other designers, potential customers.
0: Oh, uh, there are um, potential customers. Okay. Yeah, and I even met a uh, micro influencer okay. through that too, who love what we offer and. We're, we're going to do, you know, co-creation for the next event too, which is something that I'm going to be doing with her.
1: I have to imagine a lot of work goes into putting all these events. Like, it doesn't nice. matter. It's not about like putting a camera up and filming stuff. It's like, it's a lot of like, people don't realize even like even live events or virtual events. I don't think people have any idea the work in the back of the gulf to putting these things together.
0: A lot. And I really feel bad for the person who works for me in Hong Kong. Um, she's not only a designer herself but she also coordinate with other designers we showcasing and she's setting up cameras and then the online streaming and you know and also um, um, getting the models ready, rehearsal, everything like I didn't think about that. Has. I didn't think about the
1: models rehearsing. I had to fuck it. yeah. Yeah.
0: Lighting and you know and the voice and everything, recording. Just so much going on.
1: So um, are you going to try to do these once a month That's that's too much?
0: I think that might be a little bit too okay. much for my size right okay. now. I am trying to do it like every other month or, okay. you know, every quarter at least. I think having that, you know, uh, engagement and personal interaction with our customer is very important. And getting people to know who th- those designers are. I'm not here to just sell the products. I'm here to them build a brand and getting people to aware of who they are.
1: And, and you film this on different different locations or just one location?
0: One location. Okay. Yeah, and I'm being remote in Seattle, and the main stage, you know, with model wearing different pieces, is in Hong Kong.
1: And how do you like find these models to, to like model for you?
0: Um, through my designer. Okay. Yeah, they they know a lot of people and. They're willing to, you know, help out. And there's another um, designer, you know, Vincent Lee on the platform, also knows a lot of people and models and stuff that, you know, willing to come help out too. So,
1: um, so mo- modeling, how does that work? Like, do models like become a model, and they like pick who they want to model for, or is that like a whole different career field?
0: It's not. They're they're not like. Uh, agency type of model mm-hmm. but they they do um want it to pursue modeling, or they already in um performance you know dance performance mm-hmm. um feel who are really good at you know knowing how to turn and move um to show things um some are just you know talented friend of his you know interested in helping out
1: so we talked about this a little bit but can you talk more about your company, like what the idea came from, you know, why you started it, what are your focus on right now, what your business is for the company?
0: Do you mean the business itself or the online event? The,
1: the, the business itself.
0: Oh, I started um, because of the compliments that I received from other people, you know, from wearing different pieces and people love what I was wearing and asked me where they're coming from and where I bought it from. and. They couldn't get them here. I'm very disappointed. And I thought, well, there's enough of that. It seems like there is a problem that, you know, I can help solve because how do people get to know about independent creative designers from different parts of the world if they're not there or even they're there, they don't know where to find them. Right. So how, how do you, um, you know, help bring that awareness to different parts of the world.
1: And, and so, what's your vision for the company? I know you want to fundraise, Like you want to like scale it up, like being one of the top agencies in the world, or taking you know, the world of fashion, or?
0: At least, um, you know, improving traction. I wouldn't say that it has to be really big to start fundraising, um, but I, I, I really want to demonstrate, you know, what I believe is true with data.
1: Or do you have any like any uh, designers or fashion people or fashion industry people that you follow?
0: Um, I do. And so this is not, you know, limited to who I follow, but also what is not being noticed too is, you know, because those are the designers need help the most. And, you know, my, my destination and vision is not here. I mean, this is just my... Um, starting point, you know, my vision is a lot bigger than that.
1: So, where do you draw inspiration from on a daily basis? Where do I get your inspiration from?
0: Get my inspiration from. I mean, that is not my personal design, so I don't, I don't necessarily create the design um, for designers. Um, I'm building a business model that works. In a way to solve people's
1: problem. Can you talk some about how your platform works, like how you how you monetizing the platform?
0: Yeah, um, this is almost like a, a I'm playing as an advocate uh, advocate role for for designers and created this digital place where um, or hub where people can discover and access to themselves, s- and it's going to be completely dropship model. So if you are a customer wanting to buy certain things on my website, it will be drop shipping from wherever the designer is to you directly.
1: So let's suppose and, someone buys something on your platform, mm-hmm. they get it, it's a wrong size or the case could be. Mm-hmm. Do they come back to you or they go directly to the to person who made it?
0: They actually will submit that through me. And then, you know, um, if it's a wrong size or whatever, you know, it will be coordinated with the designer. Um, so, cause I have to, um, because I'm, it, it is a commission model. So I, I'm not making money from designers to join our platform unless they sold something through my platform. Right. So, um, I have to know when I need to pay them depending on when the customer, um, received the item and, you know, after their warrant, you know, the return period, then when I pay them. So I need to know where that is
1: so i think you talked about this before but can you talk more about how you make sure like what they say they're selling is actually like high quality high-end like all that kind of stuff like what's your process of that cause obviously you can't go to every design location and feel it yourself right how do you make sure they're selling what they're saying they're selling
0: um i do ask for two um sets of outfit as sample mm-hmm. to me um in in I'll do look at their workmanship and the fabric and everything and make sure that it's not something, you know, very cheap, um, and not doable. Um, then I'll keep those pieces for, um, content creation or, you know, uh, influencer campaign that, you know, people get the free pieces and they can create, you know, um, their experience and post it.
1: Do you have a favorite fabric or favorite cloth that you like your clothes to be made out of? Like you have a favorite?
0: Personally, I love cashmere. cashmere. Just because I, I like the, the, the comfy feeling, um, but it doesn't matter what it's made out of. I, I, I think comfortable, you know, and softness is very important. I didn't care about that when I was younger. It's all about style right and then you'll learn over time that oh after one wash or whatever you know a few washes it's it it's not the same anymore and then you have to you know throw it away so um that is not very sustainable and i want something more timeless and something durable i can keep it for years to come and it's still fresh
1: so you your e-commerce platform Is there anything different about your e-commerce platforms for like the tech piece or data or apps anything versus another e-commerce platform?
0: This is something that I'm going to um, grow into is, you know, leveraging data to um, find better pieces for better customer satisfaction experience. But because I'm bootstrapping right now uh, and resources are very limited. Yeah, all the AI uh, stuff sounds
1: sexy, but it's expensive as hell. Yeah,
0: it is. I mean, ultimately, you know, I'm going to have to leverage technology to get to my vision.
1: Do you see some of the word like AI like picks clothes out for someone down the road? Oh, yeah.
0: I mean, right now, I mean, there's a very basic level that, you know, it's being done on, you know, whatever e-commerce platform you use. There are some very basic ones, but, you know, it's nothing near, you know, where we need it to be. Um, But, you know, there's, you know, AI and there's AR that you go into, and it's always my vision wanted to, you know, get people to see what they look like before they buy it. Um, That's part of the world map.
1: Yeah, I think people have, like, some people know how big AI is going to be. I don't think most people know how AI is going to take over the world, right? I know there's a startup out of Boston called EverJet, and they're using AI to, like, do dental exams, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, you're like, what? Yeah, there is a lot of um, companies out there is develop, you know, developing different technologies um, that is really creative and, you know, mind blowing. So um, I, I don't think that I'm going to be there um, for a, a period of time. But, you know, it's going to be there someday.
1: So Yeah. Um, So, Michelle, is there anything I I should ask you that it didn't or anything else you want to talk about?
0: Um, No, I think you get it covered really well. And if you have any additional questions, you know, let me know.
1: Yes. Um, So I forgot to ask you this during our pre-talk. But do you have, like, any gifted resources to give away? Some people do, some people don't.
0: Um, You know, I do sometimes, like, for example, like Cyber Monday, I do a little giveaway for, you know, tagging your friends and whatnot. I'm also, you know, looking for, you know, the right type of influencer, you know, to do um, some collaboration where I'm giving out, you know, free items for them uh, as opposed to, you know, paying them, you know, so it's gotta be some, you know, micro-influencer or people who wants to support small businesses and uh, independent designers.
1: So Michelle, can you share your social media links with everyone for you and your company?
0: Yeah, my handle is avant Inc. Um, It's the same across all the social media platform, um, all the major ones that you can think of, like Pinterest, um, IG, Facebook, Twitter, um, TikTok, all those the same.
1: So I really like your Instagram. Are you you the one taking a picture of Instagram or you have someone doing your Instagram for you?
0: Uh, I'm having people to do my Instagram for me. Um, It's mostly our, you know, designer generated content or content that, you know, we find uh, we, we look for designers um, who are creative and we wanted to um, tell our audience about who they are um, on our Instagram or you know pictures of our, our product in our shop as well and we're gonna have more contents going to be created for um, the upcoming um, Collection from, from a couple of designers. We're going to have some videos and uh, we're going to have some behind the scenes, you know, what it takes to prepare for it. It's going to be exciting.
1: Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know right time, Instagram definitely pops off the page, so to speak, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's and, really good. And,
0: yeah. And Wheel, you know, you can see, you know, Wheel as well, you know, some of the videos. I think people are really, I think, getting very short on patience so you have to keep it really short yeah. in the way that I you want to t- yeah i
1: want to be entertained now
0: <laughs> yeah exactly keep it short and sweet and get my attention or else you know i'm just going to go to the next
1: are there any upcoming designers that the most people don't know about
0: oh there's plenty you know you're gonna have to follow me to see them
1: <laughs> <laughs> do you have a favorite designer
0: oh too many to name so um you will see my pick as cause you know, all the designers that I like, you know, is going to be on my platform mm-hmm. for sure. Um, because I personally create them.
1: So designers, like if you have a regular job, like your corporate job, you have, I'm mm-hmm. sure um, you have a 401k, you know, benefits, or whatever. Yeah. I'm guessing designers don't have that, do they?
0: No, unfortunately, no, they do not. And they're bootstrapping like I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they don't have, mostly don't have necessarily a full time job um, to keep their business moving. And so many of them are struggling.
1: Yes, yeah, that's, that's unfortunate. Um,
0: yeah.
1: I'm trying to think of anything else I need to talk, talk to you about. I think we've recovered a good deal today. Yeah. So, do, um, and for, for our listeners, we'll have her, her gift and the social media links on the show notes. Mm-hmm. You find the show notes at com. So Michelle, um, can you give us any wisdom or advice, or anything you want to talk about?
0: Um, I just think that um, for people who don't, don't know who I am, please check out you know our shop at you know shop.avangardist.com, and I'm also launching my website uh, avantgardist.com shortly. It's you know just in the final stage of you know getting that finalized, and you'll see you know some of the creative. That designers have created and who we are our stories and whatnot you know in our webpage, page and you can connect with us at info at so michelle thank you
1: for telling today. i really appreciate it
0: no i appreciate the opportunity it's my pleasure talking
1: with you today and to our listeners thank you for your time as well remember to be great every day
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Jason Kavnis Experience. Be sure to connect with
1: us across social media at Kavnis HR. Thank you, and remember to be great every you
0: have got to go.